Welcome, welcome, welcome to the I Speak Fizbo podcast, where we pull back the curtain from the real estate industry and expose everything they don't want you to know. We share tips, tricks, myths, and truths to fight against outdated real estate traditions so you can sell your home for top dollar without having to pay a dime in commission or sacrifice your time. It's time for homeowners to take back the power and break up the monopoly. This is the I Speak Fizbo Podcast, and this is your host, Josh Knox. Hey everybody, what's up? Josh here. We've got another successful for sale by owner to talk to today. And uh, this is Jonathan from Georgia and he has already successfully sold two homes on his own. And he's actually uh, just getting ready to sell his third home on his own. And so he shares some really good insight with us um things that you can find out out on your own uh that is that exists in the public domain you know how to price your property or in the ways he's been successful with doing it how he's handled uh things on each of the processes um for the first two sales and and what he's looking forward to doing on the third sale so uh, without any further ado i'm gonna let jonathan take it away um it's just a good conversation that him and i had uh, about uh, the successes he's already experienced selling his own home. So here we go.
Okay. All right, um, Jonathan. So uh, thanks for thanks for being on the on the podcast, of course. Um, and so I just wanted to ask you, you know, a couple questions in regards to for sale by owner. And so the first one is is what did you just why did you decide uh, to do for sale by owner? What led you down that path? Yeah, sure thing, Josh. And I appreciate you having me. So what really brought it was out of necessity. So I have sold a couple of homes myself, but I had, I think what really catalyzed the whole journey was really, really two things was a negative experience that I had. And I really didn't feel like the traditional sales process around real estate added the value. And, you know, when you really look at the paperwork at the closing table and you realize how much money you're giving up and then you cast that, you know, against what did they actually do? I found that there was a huge incongruency there. So to my first point, the very first home I ever sold, I was green, didn't really understand what was going on, just putting one foot in front of the other. Everybody else was getting a real estate agent. So, hey, when I get to sell my house, I'm going to get a real estate agent. Put the house on the market, and, you know, she listed it, put the sign in the yard. Uh, didn't really understand what she was doing behind the scenes, but then we started getting offers, you know, almost immediately within, you know, 24 to 48 hours. You know, we had a couple, three offers, you know, it's what everybody wants, you know, just lots of activity, lots of, lots of traffic, that type of thing. And out of the bat, Given, given the number of people that were contacting us and offers that we were reviewing, the agent started really pressuring me uh, a lot to reduce the, to reduce the cost, uh, to make these concessions that these people were after. And common sense told me, like, no, we shouldn't do this. I mean, it was just basic blocking and tackling the business. And it's, I know I'm, I'm not going to do this. So that whole entire process, I had to fight this agent to maintain the value of my home because you know, if I drop the, you know, the cost five or $10,000 for, you know, for the agent, for him or her, you know, that's a very small percentage of, of, of variance there up or down either way. For me as a seller, that's real money. I mean, that's five or $10,000 of cash that I'm basically giving them so they can close the transaction quicker. And so, you know, we fought the uphill battle, lots of, lots of very bad taste in my mouth for that whole process. And turns out I was able to sell the house full asking price, the thing closed, and, you know, I really wish that she would have listened to me to begin with, and we could have eliminated a lot of the, a lot of the back and forth. And so that really just started this journey uh, for me mentally around real estate, and I really actually started to love real estate. I started to research it and understand it more and how it worked. I'm just a, I'm, I'm very insatiably curious at heart. And so the bad experience, and then just really when we got to the closing table, understanding, man, these numbers are big, and, you know, the, the, the weight of that. So over the, the, the next two homes, uh, the next home I bought, uh, I didn't use an agent to buy, didn't use an agent to sell, and then we had a, our family owned a piece of investment real estate, and I sold that for them as well. So as I was able to take my negative experience that I had personally and then parlay that into, you know, helping my family and also – uh, securing a better financial result for my family, my personal family, when when we went to sell our next home. So that was kind of the journey. Okay, uh, cool. So in that process with that first house with that agent, did she, um, this particular agent, give you a reason why you needed to, I mean, why was she asking that you drop your price if you had multiple offers? I'm kind of curious about that one. Well, come to find out, this agent was green, and we were probably one of her first dozen customers. And I think it was more or less a matter matter of ignorance on her part. And I, you know, I don't want to use that said that that's her negatively, but you know, she didn't know what she didn't know. What she did know is that there was a direct correlation between the sales price and her commission. 
but she didn't quite understand how I, I don't think that she quite understood how to, how to navigate that. There was really no communication to me other than this is the way that things work. And, you know, we need to be, you know, we need to offer concessions. We need to, you know, enter in this negotiation process. And there was really no advocacy for me, even though she was my selling agent, it almost felt like she was advocating for the buyer and not the seller, which was me. Huh. Interesting. Okay. I've got a, I've got a thought on that, which is when real estate agents go into the business in order to get your license, you know, you go through real estate school, they teach you nothing in real estate school, how to sell property, how to negotiate contracts. It's all about just getting your license. And then when agents go to a brokerage, the training that a brokerage offers, and not a lot of brokerages offer a lot of training. There are a few. Some of the bigger names offer offer some training. But I've found in my experience that they don't even train you how to sell a house. They just train you how to how to find new clients. So I'm not I'm not surprised and it is one of those things, right? It's just what you know, what somebody doesn't know um that ends up um coming out of the pocket of the seller. And so it's um I'm I again I'm in my own experience, that's what I felt, and so now I'm finding when I'm talking to more and more homeowners, that seems to be a, a similar situation. So, okay, great. Okay, next question. So, um, you're currently, if I understand correctly, uh, you're currently in the process of getting your house ready to sell, or you're or you're nearing the the place where you're going to list it. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And so how far along in that process do you feel like you are? So from a percentage perspective, uh, one being, you know, just now thinking about it and 100, you know, we're at the closing table, we're probably on that 10% mark. Uh, we know, you know, I just know from experience, uh, my wife is a recovering real estate agent and my brother-in-law is a commercial broker. So I've been around real estate. I understand how it works. Uh, you know, I understand there's basic blocking and tackling that you have to do. Uh, with a home, you know, it might be more obvious to me because I've walked through it several times, might not be so obvious to others, but, you know, we're just in the very beginning stages, you know, we know that curb appeal, that there's a lot more, that the, really, I guess you have to approach it with an understanding of where you perceive the real estate market to be in your area, and so there's a general understanding and awareness that happens. So, I went through some steps uh, that I knew just, you know, being scrappy and being curious and you know, engaged a couple of agents and went through their sales funnels. And now I get the, you know, the, the, the market analysis reports. And through all of that, I've understood to whatever degree that a layperson like me can understand what I need to do to get to differentiate my home from others. And so I'm concentrating on curb appeal and sending out the house. But other than that, I, that's really it. I don't haven't really dug in deep to understand where I need to be from a, from a, from a price perspective or, uh, a marketing strategy. I just simply haven't got that far. Okay. Um, and forgive me here, but I want to back up just a second. So with that, um, so the initial experience, you used an agent, um, you went through the whole process, you found out how much, you know, you're really giving up in terms of uh, dollars in your pocket when you get to the closing table. Um, and you're sort of, it sounds to me like you're, you're, again, you're studious and so you're paying attention to what's happening when was it that in that process with that first house, when was it that you figured out that you could do this on your own moving forward in the future? Um, and the, the minute we signed the papers, you know, because all, to me, it was this mystical experience. You know, I bought the house 
but buying a house and selling a house are completely two different things, in my, in, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's all, you know, you're using, you know, you're using attorneys, you're using agents, maybe, but it's, other than that, I mean, it's, it's a very, very different process. And so until, until I walked through that all the way from start, you know, from soup to nuts, start to finish, I didn't understand. And when, you know, when we got done with the table and then I got that check, you know, it was a lot smaller than, than it should have been. Like, man, I could have done this myself. Like, there, there's, no, there's no magic here. There's no mystery. And once I understood it, it changed my mind, and it changed the way I approached real estate transactions moving forward. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, so um, when it comes – so you sold – so you sold the first house with an agent, then you said you sold another house without an agent. You bought and sold that one without an agent, and then you sold a family investment property um, without an agent. How did you go about determining the prices on those properties? Great question. So uh, probably I could have done it differently, but again, using the information that I had and you know, I got a PhD in, in YouTube and Google, and I know that there's tools out there like QPublic, and there's other tools out there uh, that you can use. But it also, I, I pulled my network into it as well. So I had to pull, you know, seemingly disparate information from all over the place to determine my sell price. So uh, I don't know how it is in other parts of the country, but, you know, everybody knows what QPublic is. So inside of QPublic, they now have uh, functions in there to where you can see comps. And there's also places like, Realtor.com, Zillow, and others to where you can kind of get a 10,000-foot view of what the market is doing. Now, if you sit there and you log on to Zillow and you see the estimate for your house, that is not how much your house is worth. There's way more to it than that. It's a combination of uh, availability, uh, scarcity, availability, how, how many days the homes have been on the market, and really what the, what, what the comps are. So from a very practical perspective, I would try to triangulate what I believe to be the closest comps for my home. I matched lot size. Uh, I, first of all, the first step was you got to draw a, 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 a circle geographically around your house, and it has to be in the same general area because real estate varies so much geographically. And then once you have that circle drawn, you start to narrow and filter it down. So find similar lot sizes, similar bathrooms, bedrooms, square footage, <clears throat> those types of things. Trim you know, is, is, is an important part. So the end result of all those efforts is a dollar per square foot. So you multiply that dollar times the dollar per square foot against your square foot of your house, and that gets you that gets you a that, that gets you a good starting number. And then what I did, I determined based on what on where we were at um, as a family and our sense of urgency to get the transaction done, I would either price it to sell or I would price it to win. And so that's that was my very basic strategy. But there are tools out there where, to some degree, you can make some educated. Uh, guesses and assumptions, uh, but that's essentially what the, the the process that I used. Okay. Okay, very good. Um, and then as you – so you come to a price on those properties. Um, how did you then market the properties? Did you find it hard to market them, or or what, what did that look like for you? Well, this is really where I felt like the favor of God in both of these in both of these scenarios. The first scenario, it was in a very highly desirable area that we were in. So uh, the the school, it was really the school districts are what or what promoted the value in the specific area that I was in. There was uh, several. It was almost like a little oasis in really a desert of highly rated schools that we were in, and it was. They had great teachers there, and it was just it was a destination for a lot of people in the larger geographic region. So I know that I had that going for me. 
I also knew that, you know, the houses were selling quickly. So to be honest with you, I didn't spend a whole lot of time and effort managing that property or the other one. You know, this, this, this first property was in a little bitty town called Zebulon in Georgia. <clears throat> and I put it up on Zillow. I took all the pictures myself. I looked at what everybody else was doing. And I basically cloned what they were doing as far as the pictures. Uh, I added a little bit of extra. You know, I, I kind of knew how to stage. So I got the pictures done. And then I just listed it on Zillow. You know, I listed it uh, FISBO, uh, for sale by owner on Zillow. And within 24 hours, I had, you know, two, three, four calls. And we were binding on that property. I think uh, I think it was like seven or eight days we were binding on that property. The second property was in a, uh, a city in Atlanta, and it was right off a major road. It was in a transitional neighborhood to where, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term McMansions, but they're slowly marching, you know, down the street, tearing the homes down. And, you know, they're, they're tearing 1,500, 1,600-square-foot homes down. They're building five, 6,000-square-foot homes. And it's a, it's a very, very affluent area, and it was a, a piece of uh, property that we had had for many, many, many years. <clears throat> and so I knew I had that going for me. So, again, did the same exact process, took the pictures, did, you know, just researched the comps, found the dollar amount, and posted it on Zillow for sale by owner, and the call started coming in. So it, I don't want to say it was dumb luck, but I kind of knew what I had and, and in both of those situations. So I adjusted my strategy and the amount of effort that I applied to them based on what I perceived uh, the road to be, so to speak. Now, if I knew that, uh, you know, it was a, you know, 6,000 square foot home in an area where people really didn't buy a 6,000 square foot home, I'd be, be kind of up a creek because I really wouldn't have had a, a bona fide strategy to get that marketed. So that's, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but that's kind of the journey that I took in both of those instances. It was, I, I, I just knew what I had and then fizzboated on Zillow. Yeah, it, it actually does answer a question, and I, it, it goes to the, the whole reason I'm doing the podcast and I teach the course that I teach on, on how to sell on your own, and that's the, the tools are out there. You just have to you just have to apply the process. In fact, the, uh, a guy named David that I spoke with yesterday out in El Paso, he's like, the, I asked him, what's your, what was the biggest challenge for you? And he said, just getting started. You know, if I, if I just get started, then it'll work for me. And I think people miss that. And so you're, for me, you're relaying the same information. You're saying, look, I, I kind of knew what I had in my hand. I just kind of paid attention to what was going on. And I used the resources that were in front of me and it worked out. Now, I would also add that you uh, now not for the family property because you you likely didn't buy that one it it happened to be in the family but the other property that was in the school district that's a principle that a lot of people don't I don't think they understand fully and if they did uh, they might buy real estate differently and that is you want to buy the next home that's going to be the most sellable home um, mm -hmm. and and then and then it makes the process easier for you in the end so. So yes, it did answer my question. I, I was, I'm always curious how how people are getting the information out about their properties. So, okay, very good. So what were um, now? I'm wondering what were your biggest challenges when you started um, on the journey of doing for sale by owner um, for those first two houses? I think it's just the incredible pressure that the real estate industry puts on buyers and sellers to follow what I believe to be an antiquated, outdated methodology. You know, the with the proliferation of information that's on the internet now, we as buyers and sellers have nearly <clears throat> the same amount of information at our disposal. 
there are instances uh, where there's one-offs and things like that. You really need a professional to step in and kind of guide you through those processes. But as a rule, I found like there, there really hasn't been any information that I've sought that I haven't been able to get myself. So the, the roadblocks that you have is every and, – and, and specifically as a seller trying to sell a house for sale by owner, the communication that you have from these agents, uh, you know, even though you, you, you can put whatever you want in the descriptions, agents welcome, you know, blah, 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 whatever you want to put there, the agents are going to fight you when you get them on the phone. And it's this very ad, you know, adversarial relationship <clears throat> between – the seller or the buyer, whoever's you know conducting the transaction themselves, and and the agent, because nine times out of ten, well, you know what I've there was only one instance <clears throat> where I had, and it was actually the, the the family property to where there was no agents involved with it at all. The the the, the fellow that ended up buying the property, he was a he was an attorney, so he understood the processes. It didn't scare him off. But every other time, every communication email that I've got has been from an agent, <clears throat> and it's a very adversarial conversation. They're on. You know, they're instantly on the defense, and it's just not a pleasant transaction. If you don't have some backbone, these people will run over you. They'll give you, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt called FUD. You know, they'll try to FUD you with, oh, well, you know, you really want to have an agent because they're going to protect you for this, that, and the other, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, they'll give you all these reasons. Some of them are more legitimate than others, but the whole heart and the way that it feels is you're doing the wrong thing. You don't know what you're doing. You need me to help you, or you're going to end up screwing yourself over and I found that to be the opposite of what I would want and the opposite. If I was a real estate agent and I had a license, I, I, I take the, I take the 180 degree approach to that. It's, you know, talking down to someone, telling them that they don't know what they're doing is not the best way to start a sales process. And that's, that was the biggest hurdle for me is just getting over that. You know, there's, you know, because if you, if you listen to it, you think, Oh my gosh, you know, do these, you know, do they know something that I don't? I mean, they, they do. They went to school for this. There's certain things that, that, that they know that you don't know. But as a rule of thumb, is you know, the stuff starts to really get in your head after a while. You're like, oh, my gosh, I've got so much money tied up in this thing. And, you know, one thought leads to another. And then, oh, my gosh, we're going to go bankrupt if I don't use an, an agent. And if you're not careful, those negative thoughts get in your head. And that, once I overcame that and I, was, and I was confident in what I was doing, changed the game. But that was the biggest hurdle was the, was the pushback and the communication from the traditional agents. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting that you share that, right? That was my experience when I sold my first home. Uh, the, all, all of the pressure was just from the industry itself, individual agents. And then when I actually got into the industry as a licensed agent, uh, that, was the, that was like the first training that they teach you. Well, you need to call every for sale owner and convince them that they're doing it the wrong way. And I, and I just thought to myself, yeah, but I, I sold my own home. I know how to do this. So I know they're not doing it the wrong way. There's got to be a better way to market your business than that. So mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear that. Okay. Um, I, so as you went through those processes, how did you end up handling the contracts um, for each of those homes? Did you, like, what, what did that look like? My experience has been <clears throat> that the only person that you need in the middle of a real estate transaction is an attorney, a closing attorney. They have to do the title work and some other things. So more specifically, I mean, you know, I, if you take it out of theory and what we actually did when there was no agents involved with this, with this last sale that I did, the, it, you have to pick a closing attorney because you got, they have to do the title work. Now, that's something you cannot do yourself. You need, a, you, need a, you need a bona fide closing attorney to do all those things. But they have the paperwork like everybody else does. A lot of the things are boilerplate. So you get the, you get the, you know, you, you contact the, the, 
the, the closing attorney, you let them know what your situation is. Ideally, you have a relationship with this, you know, with, with this firm because you've done business with them before. And you just say, hey, listen, you know, this is an agentless transaction. Can you help me out with the paperwork? Uh, some that I've talked to will just give you the paperwork if you've already retained them to close the transaction. If not, you know, they can provide the paperwork for a nominal fee, and it's bona fide, legal, you know, it's, it's airtight, the same stuff that an agent would give you. It just doesn't have the little, you know, MLS logos on it, but it's, 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 it's the same stuff. So the buy-sell agreements can be done straight from, in my experience, from the closing attorneys just as easily as they can the agent. So that's maybe the outlier. But if there is an agent involved, which, you know, nine times out of ten in my experience, there's going to be an agent on one side of the transaction, you know, even if, you know, you're, you don't have representation, that agent will provide the paperwork. <clears throat> so what you have to worry about in that – or what I worried about in those cases, I read it, reread it, you know, three or four or five times. I put it in front of the attorney. Maybe I would float it past, you know, my brother-in-law because, you know, I've, I've got a network of people that are familiar with real estate. My wife's a recovering agent. So, you know, in general, you have to seek wise counsel, especially if you don't have representation. Just because you don't have representation, you don't need to think that you can do it all on your own. You just don't need somebody, you know, carving 3% out of your transaction. They're, you know, it's, it's okay to seek help. It's okay to get the contract in front of somebody else, you know, somebody that's qualified to look at it to get a second set of eyes on it. Because the reality is if the agent on the other side of the table is the one furnishing the, the paperwork, that paperwork to the best of their ability and what, you know, what they're getting paid to do is to protect their client, not protect you. So you have to make sure that you're advocating for yourself. So long story short, either the closing attorney can provide all the paperwork necessary or what's most likely to happen is the one agent that is involved in the, in the transaction, they can provide the paperwork for you. Okay, great. <clears throat> Yeah, and I'm just going to add a note here. I know Georgia uh, specifically requires a real estate attorney to close the transaction and handle the title work. Uh, I And I'm not familiar, to be honest, with every other state that requires that. I know there's a few others, um, but some states require uh, just a title office to do that, and they have title officers that are licensed through the state. And most of them do have real estate attorneys that are on on staff to help if anything were to come up. But in my, in my experience, it's the same uh, it's the same that what you're dealing with. Yours is just a real estate attorney, and and in my world, it's just been a title officer. But they do the exact same mm -hmm. thing. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to I wanted to say that now. Okay. Um, so what? Just a couple of last questions here to to finish up. What do you wish you would have known when you started with that first house that you sold on your own? Oh gosh. <clears throat> You know, I, I, I really don't know. I feel like it's like with anything else is just a general, you know, maturation of your skills and whatnot. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I would change a whole lot. Uh, I maybe wished that I had a better tool in which to calculate the real value of the home. I felt uh, I, left, I might have left a little bit of money on the table. And, you know, I always left with some questions, you know, did I, did I price it right? You know, because you you start to get all this all this inbound traffic. You know, you you, you list it. You know, you got good pictures. Your the 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 copy on the listing is the best of your ability, and you put it out there for the world to see. And you start getting all these this inbound traffic. And you know, it, the the faster it comes in, it starts to introduce doubt into your mind because then I price it too low. So I wish I had a, a more uh, finite, accurate tool in which to to value the 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 property instead of you know me just kind of taking my best guess as a layperson that's probably the one thing that i would change <laughs> okay 
And that makes sense. And I'll be honest with you, even even professional agents deal with that. If if they've priced a property where they think it's going to be uh, fairly aggressive, meaning the top end of the pricing point, and all kinds of traffic comes in, um, they they feel the same things, and then their sellers ask them the same things. The reality is, is the market will determine what the price is. And so if you've got if you get a ton of traffic and you get multiple offers, then the nature of the the whole economics of it, right, the supply and the demand will increase the price to the point where the market will say that's the highest we're willing to give for it. And and I think, but I 100% I, I agree with you. It can cast doubt, like, did I, you know, did I price the product the right way? I think Apple could probably ask the same question of their iPhones. I mean, they already fly off the shelf. Um, and so they probably are like, you know, we probably could increase the price a little bit, but you know, in the end, it, it is what it is. And so if the, if the property is sold and there were multiple parties interested, you're, I would say you're probably in the right price range. But having a tool, I agree with you, is, um, is great. So uh, I'll share this with you. I've got a tool, and I'm going to send it to you after this podcast is over. So, um, okay, two, two last questions. Um, what would you share with other people? So uh, everything that you've learned in the last couple of sales and even the one that you're contemplating now, what would you share with others who are going to make the, uh, have made the decision to do it for sale by owner? And then the second part of that question is, is if you could wave a magic wand at the whole situation and look at the most painful part of the process, um, what would that magic wand solve for you? Gotcha. Okay, so uh, so the first question was around what I would do differently. Does that, did I hear that correctly? Uh, the first question would be, what would you share with others who have decided to do for sale by owner? Gotcha. What have you? Yeah, you absolutely can do it yourself, and don't be intimidated. So you 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 will get pushback when you take your when you take your properties to the market yourself. You will get pushback. You'll have agents telling you whatever it is that they think uh, that you need to hear in order to give them both sides. You know, the full six percent. You're going to get a lot of people telling you that you don't know what you're doing, that, uh, you know, it's just, it's just going to feel like an uphill battle. You can do it. You know, there's, there's, there's no magic here. And, again, if you have the right representation from an, from an attorney's perspective and you're doing your due diligence, you've got some good partners and you or whoever else, you can do it yourself. Don't be intimidated by these people trying to introduce fear, uncertainty, and doubt uh, into, the, in, into the transaction. It's not there, – there, there's no – there's no mysticism here. It's not, you know, this is a, this is something people have been doing for since the beginning of time, buying and selling real estate, property, you know, caves, whatever the case is. I mean, there's these, these transactions have existed forever. We have just gotten into this very regimented system uh, that is that has these very strict perceived guidelines, rails around it that say you have to do this and you have to do this and blah blah blah. Well, no, people are just trying to get paid. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You know, these people are, you know, these agents are salespeople. They're trying to sell you on something. But you need, you know, I, I would just really urge people to have a backbone, you know, going in this, con going in this conversation and in this season. And it's going to be difficult, but you absolutely can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. The second thing, you say the, the, the magic wand, you know, what, you know, what can we wave uh, to, to make the process uh, better or to change it for me specifically? I'll go back to something I said earlier. I believe that the real estate market, and again, I'm, I'm no real estate aficionado. You know, I've, I've done it a few times. I enjoy it. I think that, you know, in a, in a former life, given less knowledge, you know, I, I might have chosen the path to be a real estate agent. I wouldn't now, but I'm, I might have earlier. But 
I really enjoyed it. And I, but I think that what the the industry itself has found themselves in, I think that they're stuck. They simply haven't moved with the technology. You know, the the landscape and the information that's available now, as opposed to even ten years ago, is dramatically different. But the way that real estate is bought and sold, really, I mean, there, there's been some changes. You've got you know, low-cost brokerages, you've got flat-fee brokerages, you know, you've, you've got some other things that are starting to emerge, but as a whole, it's still just this idea that you have to use an agent, you have to do this, and there's a certain structure that it all has to fit in. That's garbage, because it's, it's it, they just haven't caught up, and I think that they're stuck in the lurch. So, if, if there was just a general realization and an awakening to what an alternate path could be would help me and every other homeowner, buyer or seller, realize a smoother transaction, a better transaction, and it just wouldn't be this big, hairy, scary thing out there. You know, it's, 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 it's stressful enough selling a home. You know, when, when you're selling a home, you've got to clean it. If you've got kids, I mean, that's, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's crazy trying to keep your house in enough shape, you know, in tip top shape to show it. There's so many moving pieces behind the scenes other than the actual transaction. And so to make the process smoother and to have more control of the transaction, I think would give the buyer or the seller on either end of that a better sense of peace, you know, about the whole entire thing. You know, it's, I, I would change, and, you know, I know this is a this huge ask, but just change the whole way that it works because it's, it's outdated and it doesn't function like it should, especially, it's almost like they're trying to force fit an old system into a new system. Like you've got this, this brand new like Ferrari that you've got and you want to go and you want to put, the seats of the Pinto in it, or you want to put the exhaust of the Pinto in it, you know, no, you, you got a Ferrari. Why are you trying to put why, like, why, why are you trying to use old things on it? <clears throat> so I, I would, I, I would love to see a time in a day to where people can approach a transaction from either side of the table themselves and it'd be comfortable and have all the information laid out there. And it's just a one, two, three step-by-step process. Brilliant. Yeah, I would, uh, I would actually tend to agree. So, yeah, brilliant. Well, um, like I said, I want to I want to thank you for your time um, and your insights and um, you know everything else you shared with us. I think everybody that is listening will will get some good value out of that. So, yeah, once again, thank you so much for being uh, on the podcast and for helping out and, and lending your expertise and your experience. You got it. Anytime.